Chapter 10 Emerging Technologies I have so far not addressed the risk factor of advanced technology. If transformative technologies emerge in the future, it seems plausible that shaping their development could be a good lever to influence the long-term future and to reduce S risks. I will bracket attempts to stop technological progress altogether. This may, in theory, help prevent S risks, but it is unrealistic to expect that we could stop all progress forever, even if it may be feasible to prevent certain kinds of harmful technologies. Moreover, trying to stop progress is likely to provoke conflict with those who want to reap the benefits of advanced technology. Instead, my focus will be on measures to ensure the prudent and responsible use of potentially pivotal technologies. Should we focus on shaping artificial intelligence? Advanced artificial intelligence, AI, is one of the most frequently discussed examples of a potentially transformative technology. If we create systems that can surpass humans in terms of general intelligence, then this would, so the argument goes, constitute a pivotal event in human history. Such a system could, due to its superhuman intelligence, effectively take over the world and shape everything that happens later on according to its values. If it is plausible that we create extremely powerful AI in the not-too-distant future, say this century, it stands to reason that influencing this process is a top priority. Shaping the development and use of advanced AI could be an extraordinarily consequential lever to influence the long-term future. Indeed, efforts to reduce S-risks caused by AI may be considered more targeted or more direct than the other interventions I've discussed so far, such as moral advocacy or better politics. After all, a large share, perhaps a majority, of expected future suffering stems from scenarios that feature advanced technology. Work to avert S-risks caused by AI is also highly neglected. A small number of people do research on AI safety, a field that centres on the question of how to ensure that the goals of autonomous AI systems are aligned with those of its creators. Yet, alignment would likely not be sufficient to prevent potential S-risks resulting from an imprudent development or use of powerful AI, which suggests that more targeted measures are needed. Since few people have, so far, considered AI safety from an S-risk perspective, we can expect that there are still low-hanging fruits to reap. On the other hand, there are good reasons to be sceptical about predictions regarding future technology, especially when the claims in question are far-reaching. Considering the current capabilities of artificial intelligence and the pace of progress in the field, a rapid takeover of human civilization by superintelligent AI seems unlikely to me, at least in the foreseeable future. In general, we do not know much about what future technologies will look like. Details of technological advances are hard to predict, and we lack clear feedback loops or an empirical grounding to make confident predictions. So the risk is high that our efforts to directly shape AI will be ineffective, if not wasted altogether, as we have limited knowledge about the nature of this technology. Or we might be misguided 
about which future technologies will be most consequential. We also need to unpack concepts like intelligence, and by extension, superintelligence, as they are often used in a broad and simplistic way. For instance, one might think that the capabilities of modern civilization are exclusively owed to the great power of individual human intelligence, but a closer look reveals that individual intelligence is just part of the picture, and that social learning and cultural accumulation of more and more tools are, in large part, the secrets to our success. It is also doubtful whether advanced AI will be a single, unified, all-purpose system. The trends we have seen so far in automation and software lend more support to a progressive increase through many distributed innovations in the collective capabilities of our civilization, rather than a sudden jump in the capabilities of a single actor. AI will likely become superhuman in one domain after another, as it has in various domains for decades, rather than suddenly becoming superhuman in all domains at the same time. In this case, the emergence of powerful AI would not be an isolated event. Instead, it would happen gradually. This would likely mean that there is no single exceptional lever or silver bullet to shape the future and reduce S risks. Likewise, there is arguably no single leverage point or pivotal technology in the past that determined the course of history. Another key consideration is that technological developments are never divorced from their political and socio-cultural context. Efforts to improve values or political culture, as opposed to directly shaping AI, can therefore also indirectly influence the emergence of powerful AI. Indeed, even if there is just a single leverage point, and even if we know what it will look like, it is still possible that improving background factors, like our values or institutions, might be the most effective way to shape the outcome. Where does this leave us? Despite the objections outlined above, it is still plausible that AI will be a crucial future technology. AI could take over the world in the same sense in which the computer or the internet took over the world, gradually and over time, and given the far-reaching consequences of such a transformative technology, research into mitigating risks, as well as better understanding the nature of the risks, might be worthwhile despite considerable uncertainty. Technical measures to reduce S-risks from AI what could an S-risk-focused approach to AI safety look like? I have mentioned before that destructive interactions and escalating conflicts can pose a serious S-risk in Chapter 2. This risk seems particularly pronounced in interactions between advanced AI systems as they constitute a new and powerful type of actor. Interventions to achieve cooperative AI therefore seem particularly promising for S-risk reduction. The goal of research on cooperative AI is to not just build intelligent systems, but to equip these systems with the necessary techniques and methods to achieve mutually beneficial outcomes in interactions with other agents. For example, research on bargaining, game theory or decision theory in an AI context could yield insights that help prevent negative sum dynamics and navigate cooperation problems more productively. 
Likewise, a careful design of the training environment can help mitigate the risk that some analogue of malevolent traits might evolve in AI systems. These lines of research, which aim to avoid S-risks resulting from failures of cooperation or escalating conflicts among powerful AI, are pursued by the Centre on Long-Term Risk. A concrete example of a promising safety measure is the implementation of a surrogate goal in AI systems. The idea is to add to one's current goals an additional surrogate goal that one did not initially care about. In case of escalating conflicts, adversarial actors will, in theory, target this surrogate goal rather than what one initially cared about. This could, subject to further research, help limit the downsides of cooperation failures by deflecting the disvalue resulting from adversarial dynamics onto the surrogate goal. Another intervention is to prevent the emergence of malevolent heuristics, or character traits, of newly trained AI systems. Just like dark tetrad traits evolved in human evolution, multi-agent AI training environments could incentivize alien equivalents of these dark tetrad traits in the motivations of AI systems. By studying the incentives reinforced in the training environment of transformative AI systems, one could try to make sure that such antisocial tendencies don't show up in the first place. We can also take inspiration from common engineering approaches to improve the reliability of safety-critical systems such as redundant and fail-safe designs. Redundant designs duplicate important components of a safety-critical system to serve as backups in case of primary component failures, for example backup power generators. While fail-safety refers to design features whose sole function is to limit the extent of harm in case of a particular type of failure, for example fire suppression systems. By analogy, we might attempt to specifically limit the extent of damage in the event of a failure to align advanced AI with human values. And we could attempt to make AI safer by combining many different safety measures that kick in if the system fails. Yet a complete and watertight solution to the perils of advanced AI remains elusive. Many, if not all, of the suggested technical interventions may turn out to be infeasible, and it is possible, in light of great uncertainty, that safety efforts could backfire and inadvertently increase the risk of escalating conflict. So we need further research into how to best prevent S-risks caused by AI. Governance of AI Technical safety measures are only one side of the coin. It seems just as important to advance good governance mechanisms that help navigate the transition to a world with advanced AI. In particular, we could establish norms, policies and institutions that help prevent worst-case risks due to AI. For example, we could promote international cooperation to prevent escalating arms race dynamics between competing nations. This could be achieved through agreements akin to other international treaties to ensure the prudent and cooperative rather than hasty and adversarial development of advanced AI. International bodies could be established to oversee AI development. Likewise, AI companies 
could agree on formal or informal rules about how to proceed if artificial intelligence approaches certain capabilities. Of course, any such agreement might be difficult to enforce. It is worth noting that S risks from AI would likely take place in circumstances that differ radically from our current world. The emergence of a transformative technology, such as advanced AI, carries a significant risk of political turmoil, which means that things we normally take for granted, like the rule of law or democratic institutions, might break down. This in turn is a risk factor for S risks. So it is valuable to look into how political turmoil in a potential transition period to advanced AI can be avoided, and how we can ensure that laws, rules, or agreements will still apply in this context. Another aspect that seems particularly important from an S risk perspective is the potential misuse of AI by malevolent actors. As part of efforts to reduce the influence of malevolent individuals, it is vital to limit their ability to misuse advanced technology. For instance, it might be worthwhile to raise awareness of the risks of malevolent individuals within AI companies, or to establish protocols to make AI-related institutions less susceptible to adversarial actors. And we could try to distribute future technological capabilities in a way that makes it difficult or impossible for any single actor to cause a lot of harm, including but not limited to S risks. Finally, we could try to expand the moral circle of the creators of AI, for example by establishing standards for how to proceed if an artificial intelligence appeared to demonstrate some degree of sentience. This connects a focus on advanced AI with moral advocacy. However, efforts to promote the moral consideration of artificial sentience must be planned carefully, lest we inadvertently cause a backlash, as discussed in Chapter 8. It seems most robust to focus on further research, and thereby contribute to a nuanced and reflective discussion of issues relating to artificial sentience. Space Governance so far, I have focused exclusively on risks from artificial intelligence, but the risk factor of advanced technology also entails other aspects. In particular, many S risks are linked to a large-scale colonization of outer space, which suggests that space governance could be a potential focus area for S risk reduction. Space governance encompasses the laws, rules, norms and institutions that structure interactions in space, as well as mechanisms that are used to establish and enforce those. We currently lack a global framework for space governance. As of now, space is mostly a free-for-all, which poses a risk of race dynamics and severe conflicts. So it could be valuable to replace the current state of ambiguity with coherent regulations that contribute to positive long-term outcomes if and when large-scale space colonization becomes feasible. To this end, we can do research to find out which governance mechanisms are most suitable, and then lobby for corresponding treaties or conventions. One could also think that the easiest way to avoid S-risks is to oppose space colonization altogether Yet it is important to be pragmatic. 
If space colonization is inevitable, then dogmatic opposition may be counterproductive, especially if it antagonizes those who wish to colonize space. So it seems more fruitful to emphasize the idea that we should only embark on such an astronomical endeavor after we have done everything we can to ensure a positive outcome. Put simply, we should get our house in order on Earth before we consider spreading into space. Chapter 11 Long-Term Impact We tend to mostly think about what we can do right now. Yet, it pays to adopt a long-term perspective in our efforts to tackle S-risks, as the best opportunities might arise in the distant future. Indeed, it would be a striking coincidence if, among all possible times, today is the single most effective time for efforts to avert S-risks. Capacity Building The most important thing to do now might be to ensure that future actors will be both motivated and able to prevent S-risks. Through such capacity building, we will be prepared to make the best possible use of opportunities to reduce S-risks when they arise in the future. So perhaps we should now invest in flexible capacity to multiply our future impact. This is a uniquely robust strategy to deal with our vast uncertainty about the future. After all, we know relatively little about what the future will look like, about how we can best influence it, and about how we can best reduce S-risks in particular. This is especially true for S-risks that lie in the distant future or involve advanced technology. Yet we can still, despite great uncertainty, have a reliably positive impact by accruing flexible resources until we see more clearly how worst-case outcomes might occur and what potential countermeasures may be available. Capacity building can take many forms. For example, money is a flexible resource that can be transferred to the future through saving and investing. If long-term financial returns outpace inflation, we can potentially accumulate a large sum of money to spend on S-risk reduction at a later point. But capacity building is about much more than purely financial investments. In fact, many of the interventions I've discussed so far also help build capacity. If we promote greater concern for suffering and the moral consideration of all sentient beings, we increase the motivation of future people to prevent S-risks that affect non-human beings. And if we improve our political culture and institutions, we improve the capacity of future civilization to address any future challenge, including potential S-risks. A movement to reduce S-risks A key dimension of capacity building is movement building. To foster a community of people who are interested in and knowledgeable about S-risk reduction. After all, the current degree of concern for S-risks seems clearly insufficient. By making reasoned arguments for why S-risks should be taken seriously, we can connect with a broader set of people. Ideally, we can build a growing movement that will help steer humanity away from a future moral catastrophe. Beyond growth, a main priority is to ensure the long-term stability of the movement to reduce S-risks. We should be mindful of the possibility that ideas relating to S-risks 
might evolve in undesirable directions. In the worst case, the movement could fall into disrepute, which could result in a lack of efforts to prevent worst-case outcomes. This is similar to concerns about how moral advocacy might engender a backlash, as discussed in Chapter 8. To reduce this risk, it is important to establish healthy social norms among those who seek to reduce S-risks. A friendly and welcoming community is more likely to draw people in, and a cooperative attitude towards those who pursue other goals tends to be more productive than a provocative or antagonistic approach. After all, virtually everyone can agree that S-risks should be prevented, so it is often possible to find common ground. Finally, it is vital that the movement to reduce S-risks is cause-neutral. In light of great uncertainty, we should not let our priorities be dictated by personal attachments to a particular cause. Akin to individuals who may be biased in their judgments, an entire movement can also focus prematurely on a narrow cause. To achieve its full potential, the movement must be able to update its views and change course based on new evidence. We need to react flexibly to social and technological developments to find the most effective ways to prevent S-risks. Research on how to best reduce S-risks Movement building primarily addresses the motivation to avoid a future moral catastrophe. Yet, our competence in this endeavour is just as important. Expanding our knowledge is a key dimension of capacity building, as it puts compassionate future actors in a better position to reduce S-risks. One could call it wisdom building. Given our great uncertainty about the future, any attempt to reduce S-risks requires careful thought. Indeed, the priority areas outlined so far, in chapters 8 to 10, are merely current best guesses. It remains unclear which of these areas are most promising, and perhaps some other unknown intervention is best. Needless to say, it would be a mistake to invest most of our resources on a cause that further research could reveal to be misguided. This highlights the need to better understand how our actions affect the probability of future moral catastrophe. So perhaps the most important thing to do is figure out what to do. We need an open-ended research program on how to best reduce as risks, drawing on a variety of disciplines ranging from computer science to the social sciences. A top priority is to find out which S-risks are most likely, most tractable, most neglected, or of the greatest magnitude. This information will, in turn, feed into an analysis of the best practical ways to mitigate S-risks. After all, the end goal is to make a difference in the real world, so it is vital that we bridge the gap between abstract philosophical ideas and concrete interventions. That said, research is not a silver bullet. In light of the complexity of the question of how to best reduce S-risks, it can be hard to make substantial progress. And the challenge is compounded by the fact that researchers need to take strange future scenarios seriously while not getting bogged down in overly speculative ideas. This is a difficult balance to strike. Nevertheless, my tentative conclusion is that learning more about how to best reduce S-risks 
should be one of our top priorities at this point. Research on this question is at an early stage, so we can probably still find key insights that greatly increase the effectiveness of efforts to reduce S risks. And even if groundbreaking insights elude us, research and reflection can still help us to refine our views and to arrive at more nuanced and balanced conclusions. A strategy that focuses on research or other forms of capacity building may seem highly abstract. Such activities are unlikely to pull on our heartstrings. But considering the potentially astronomical stakes and the counterintuitive nature of S risks, we cannot afford to blindly follow our most immediate emotions. We need to think carefully about what is most effective. What you can do. Are you interested in getting involved in reducing S risks? A simple first step is to join the discussion and get in touch with other people who are interested in reducing S risks. Being part of a community enables connections with potential mentors and can boost one's motivation to contribute to the cause. If more people think and write about worst-case futures, we will make greater progress on the crucial question of how to best avert S risks. The next step could be to think carefully about what you do in your working life. After all, few decisions are as consequential as our choice of career. If you are interested in dedicating your career to the cause, you could consider applying for a role at an organization that contributes to S risk reduction. Two research organizations with an explicit S risk focus are the Center for Reducing Suffering, which I co-founded, and the Center on Long-Term Risk. Many other groups also do valuable work that contributes indirectly to S risk reduction, even if it is not their primary or explicit goal. For example, the Organization for Prevention of Intense Suffering, OPIS, works to increase concern for suffering, and the work of Animal Ethics and Sentience Institute helps to expand humanity's moral circle to include all sentient beings. Another option is to donate to such organizations and thereby support their important work. Finally, perhaps the most important thing to do is to learn more about S risks and related subjects. It is crucial that we invest in developing our future skills and abilities. After all, our skills and our level of knowledge largely determine how effectively we can improve the world. The end. <laughs>